Thomas was not a man of doubt. He was a man of proof. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We're going to talk about Thomas and what he says in about five minutes time. So stand by for that. Right now, Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? All right, well, today we discovered that God hid the name of his son, Jesus, in the pages of the Old Testament. More on that after the teaching. Look forward to that, Janice. Today, it's to believe or not believe. All right, very good. We also have Pastor John Williamson. Pastor, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Such a joy to be with you. Excellent, very good. We're gonna to talk to him in about 20 seconds, or actually about 20 minutes. But right now, let's get ready. Get your Bible guide out that we present to you. And let's open up the world's best-selling book. This is God's Word. As we begin to learn what is he saying to us now, we'll talk about Thomas. Let's study. John 20, 24 through 31. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing." And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. John chapter 20 and 21 is what we study today. It's fascinating actually to study the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, means the one who brings saving salvation. The name Christ identifies Jesus as role of Messiah and is used in English translation from Latin. Now, Messiah in Hebrew means the anointed one or the liberator of people. So the name Jesus Christ can mean salvation or the liberator of people. And there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. John the Apostle, who is the author of the gospel we're studying now, knew the Lord Jesus very well, which gives his gospel an interesting edge to it. John seems to have had or lived a long life learning from Jesus Christ. 
and then teaching about Jesus and trusting in and witnessing God's work in the early church. God sent his only son, Jesus, to earth because he loved us. That's good. And in the beginning, humanity had sinned and moved away and against God. Someone needed to set the record straight, to reconcile us, to make things right. Quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is a very interesting passage of scripture. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we begin to learn about the power of his name. The power of the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just simply say that you can get the Bible guide if you don't have one. We teach from the Bible guide and we encourage you to take a part in getting it. And if you want to do that, call us or write to us. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. And then it takes you to a donut page. And let me just say thank you for your donations. They're very important and they keep us alive. So thank you during this time of inflation and everything else, you are standing with us. So we really, really appreciate that. Now, as we look at this, let's pray that God would show us his ways. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would show us your ways in this passage as we look at John chapter 20. Help us to hear you as your Holy Spirit speaks. We don't want to listen to our ideas and our thoughts into the scripture. We want to read from the Bible and hear your thoughts and ideas. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, let's take a look at this because this is interesting. John chapter 20, a fascinating read. Beginning with verse 24. Now, Thomas, everybody likes to doubt Thomas. Now, Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve. He was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples, therefore, said to him, We have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger in the prints of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A lot of people like to call him Doubting Thomas. But remember that Thomas was a man of proof. He was not a man of doubt. He was a man of proof. You see, we're not wrong to look for the truth about who God is. And I know that many of us try to project Thomas as, well, you're doubting, you're like doubting Thomas. But let's, let's understand that not to be negative about Thomas, but to be truthful about it. He's a man of proof. And God has much proof for us today. He had died on the cross and three days later risen from the dead. And all of the, the disciples saw him except Thomas. But he needed proof. He needed to know that Jesus Christ was alive, that Jesus Christ was Lord. And that's what he insisted. Now, this gets very interesting as we go further, because in John chapter 20, verse 26, it says, after eight days... Eight's a very interesting number, but after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut 
and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, I love this because Jesus reaches out to Thomas. He says, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. This is a fascinating passage of scripture. Thomas believed when he saw for himself that Jesus was alive. Beloved, when we see the reality of God's hand in our lives, his work, we are convinced. We are convinced when we see that. And that's what Jesus was referring to. Thomas had spent eight days thinking about this. I'm not going to believe unless I see it, unless I touch his scars, unless I understand he's alive. I'm not going to believe. God knew that. He knew what Thomas was thinking. And so he goes through the wall. Don't know how that happens, but he's in his new form. He eats with them and all of that. But he says to Thomas, listen, come here, touch me and feel me. I want to tell you that 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 in itself is just a staggering event. But let's go on because it gets better. John 20, 30 to 31, it says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's why Jesus came. So the third point is very simple. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, gives life today by the power of his name. You believe in Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Come to Jesus today. And people will say, well, how do I do that? You simply, you simply say, and, and I would suggest you pray. Focus your attention on God. Some people close their eyes to get the, everything else from interfering with them. Do that if that's necessary. But listen to me. Pray this way and say, Jesus Christ, I come into your presence. And I ask you, forgive my sin." You paid the cost of sin. You died on that cross and you rose again. And somehow, I don't know how it happened, but somehow it all happened. And I need you in my life. Come into my heart today. And if you pray that prayer and you mean it, you really mean it. You don't just pray that prayer haphazardly. Then let me tell you what's going to happen. God's going to send his Holy Spirit. You're going to be changed forever. And things will happen to you that you will suddenly feel the presence of God inside of you. You'll begin to understand who Jesus Christ truly is. He is the Lord of everything. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on 
Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the program. A few days ago, I did a segment which showed how two Old Testament prophecies limited the window of time in which the Messiah would arrive on the earth, which just so happened to coincide with Jesus's life on the earth. And today I wanna to do a similar thing because not only did God reveal in the Old Testament a specific time that the Messiah would arrive, but also what his name would be. It's true, God actually hid the name of the Messiah in a couple of different places in the OT. Check it out. While the Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans 1 that from birth God has hardwired human beings with a general knowledge that he exists and has also left a clear witness for his existence in creation, other biblical passages also make it clear that apart from God's special revelation through the scriptures, we cannot possibly know who he is. This is precisely Agur's point in Proverbs 30 when he asks, what is God's name and what is his son's name? Only through God's word can we know. Interestingly, the Bible tells us that God has many names and titles, each one revealing something about his character. And the Bible also reveals his son's name, Jesus Christ. Although this name was plainly revealed in the New Testament, it is hidden in the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, the first time we come across this name is in Exodus, when we're introduced to Joshua, the military commander and eventual successor of Moses. While not obvious in English translations of the Bible, the names Joshua and Jesus are one and the same. Joshua, or Yeshua, is the Hebrew form, but in Greek, it is Jesus. That both men bore the same name could be considered a coincidence, except for the fact that many aspects of Joshua's life typified Jesus' life. For example, both descended from a man named Joseph. Both had a humble, obscure beginning, but rose to a place of honor. Both were anointed by God. Both were filled with God's spirit. Both led and shepherded the people. Both did for God's people what Moses could not do. Both delivered God's people from the enemies of God and both promised rest and provided it. Interestingly, God revealed the name of his son again through the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 3.8, God says, Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. This passage connects the high priest Joshua, or Jesus in Greek, with the branch, which is one of the titles of the Messiah. Zechariah 6, 11-13 also makes this connection. It says, Take silver and gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch. He shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. In these passages, we see that the high priest Joshua was crowned like a king. This was not normal, since the priesthood and monarchy were separate offices. But God was making Joshua, or Yeshua, a symbol and a sign of the Messiah Yeshua, who would be a king and a priest. Thus, the prophet Zechariah also revealed the hidden name of the Messiah roughly 500 years before he was born. 
Now, one thing that I couldn't cover in this segment due to time was regarding the Hebrew name for Joshua. In Zechariah, the name as seen in the Hebrew is actually Yehoshua. And so this could leave us wondering how we get Yeshua from Yehoshua. Well, as Rabbi Jason Sobel explains it, it became a common practice to shorten Hebrew names like Yehoshua, which started with the root Yehovah or Jehovah in English. So Yeshua is a shortened form of Yehoshua, and we see that in Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. So don't get confused about the variation. It's the same name, but one is a long form and the other is a short form. We do the same thing in English all the time, like John and Jonathan, Will and William, Al and Alan, and so on. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and you begin these names, or you begin to talk about these names, and you also have to remember that the gemitria in Hebrew language, the letters are also numbers. And That's so right. it's very, very interesting. Janice? Well, I want to talk about a name too. I want to take a Nana moment because even though this is October the 26th that you're most likely watching, we are actually taping back in September and a very special event happened with our daughter, Corey, and her husband, Matlock. They welcomed their third son on Friday, September the 2nd, and his name is Wesley Owen Levi. And for all the ladies listening, he was seven pounds, eight ounces, and 22.4 inches. And we are absolutely de delighted and uh, really praising God and thanking God for his safe arrival. So very special just boy. that excellent. moment, he is excellent. a very special boy. Now, I titled my segment today, To Believe or Not Believe, and I'm not going to take too much time, but Jesus gave opportunity to Thomas for him to touch and see. Jesus wanted Thomas not to be unbelieving, but to be believing. And you know what? He wants the same for you and I. Jesus came back especially into this room knowing Thomas was there, knowing what was in Thomas's heart. Thomas said, I need to see the nail marks. I need to put my finger in there. I need to touch his side. And Jesus gave him that opportunity. He gives us the same, friends. We have his word to study. We can see the testimony of his life and we can learn from that. And so I just think it's very important for us to remember as Thomas, it's not a problem to have those things that we want to be able to see. And God knows our heart, and He will make those opportunities if you diligently seek Him. It, it, James You'll talks about that. If we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. So do that today. Very interesting. And, you know, God is as close as the mention of His name. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you to come to know Jesus Christ. That's very important right now. Also important is the fact we have a guest here, and mm -hmm. it's Pastor John Williamson. Yes. How are you doing, Pastor? I am doing <laughs> terrific. Thank you, Pastor Rod. Very good. Now, your church is in Brampton, Ontario. Yes. And uh, it's a city of around 700,000 people. It's really a, a bedroom community of Toronto, uh, which is in the area. It's about seven and a half million people all around. But nevertheless, your church is called Faith Gospel Tabernacle. Actually, it's my church. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, you started it and all of that, but we go to it. So that is excellent. And I, I wanted to ask you something. You are originally from Ireland and you have some medals. I do. What are these medals? Well, because the queen, the queen has, has gone to be with the Lord. Yes. And so explain this to me. <laughs> well, just as a, a young man, uh, I was part of what was called the Life Boys, which was a Christian uh, organization. And uh, it's like I, the Royal Rangers or something of that nature? Uh, something like the 
Boy Scouts. Mm. Okay, but, Boy Scouts. But somewhat similar, but yet they had their differences in that we were more in-house while they were more camping and stuff like that. So okay. we would be in various church buildings is where we met. And uh, so I started to attend when I was eight years of age. Each one of these medals here mean something. You had to work hard to get them, and it was a lot of fun. It was all boys uh, that were in that. And then from the age of 12 through 17, uh, one of the things that I'm really proud of is that I've got this badge here, especially in light of the Queen's recent passing, a wonderful woman that loved the Lord. And this is called the Queen's Badge. And uh, that goes along with all of the different badges and my longevity and service. And uh, so I received this and I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you had a lot of medals, but the Queen's Badge is interesting for you. Uh, and you kept them. Absolutely, yes, yes. And the thing was, through the Boys uh, Brigade, it had a profound effect on my life because it uh, kept reminding me about God. Uh, like, for instance, uh, this little badge here, which simply says, sure and steadfast. Uh, it uh, reminds us here, of course, of the anchor, meaning that we are anchored in Christ. And then there is a rope, uh, which simply represents hope. So we have that hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the cross on this particular badge represents the church and uh, the fact, of course, that Christ died on the cross. So everything was related spiritually to this uh, Boys Brigade organization. Uh, well, which is still the Boys Brigade, and it's still it's boys still going brigade. today. Boys Brigade. So it's still around the world today in many, many different uh, countries. And uh, so again, it's a great opportunity in bringing people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And so you started that when you were eight, but then when did you give your heart to the Lord? I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 15. 15. Hmm. So the reason eight I bring that up is that, you know, all of these things were being put into your heart Correct. as a young boy so that when you came to that age where you could make a decision on your own, you came to that. And, and I think it's important for parents to hear that in this day and age. It's important for your children to become Absolutely. involved. And even though sometimes it, it seems like they may not be listening, they are, and those things are going in. Well, it's paramount that parents get their children involved in a Christian organization or youth group and attending church. Like through the Boys Brigade, I was involved with three different churches because each of the churches had their own Boys Brigade. So there was the Presbyterian Church, there was the Anglican Church, and the Methodist Church. So what happened was you got a good insight as to what each of those churches were teaching, mm. but yet it prepared my life for the future because somehow... God was working on my life, even at that early age, without me knowing about it. God is amazing. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, we're, we're, we're not going to have time to get into it today. But uh, as a young boy, did your parents know the Lord? No. So you had parents who didn't know the Lord, and you didn't know the Lord? No. And do you have any brothers or sisters? I have one sister. Did she know the Lord? No, not so at that time. We're talking about... Nobody knows the Lord here. Correct. Okay? And you're involved in the Boys Brigade, 
And all of a the sudden, these things are being put into your heart about God. And then you came to a place, a very interesting place, which we'll talk about on the next program, where you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that is interesting. Now, we're going to save that. So on the next program, make sure you tune in because this is going to be a great program. But let me ask you about your church. Your church has grown. You've been there. I remember when that church was nothing but a like the size of a trailer. It was a little building. And First of all, that was a building you bought off somebody. You took it apart in one place and put it together there. That, that is correct. In fact, it was an old United Church uh, building. Uh, it was an A-frame building, 100 feet lo long, 24 feet wide. Uh, we purchased it for $10. Oh, dollars uh, $10. $10. $10. You purchased your church building for 10 bucks. All we had to do was strip it down, and oh. all of the material that was in that yeah. building we used for our first building that we uh, built. So let me get this straight. You, how far away was it that you had the? Well, it was probably about five or six kilometers away. Originally, we thought that we could maybe trailer it from its location to ours, but it was, piece, yeah. but it was too high. Uh, there would have been too many uh, hang up lines. lines and power lines and stuff to move it. So we we stripped it down, and there was over four hundred sheets of plywood, excellent plywood that was in that building. And not only that, we were able to help other churches with parts of the material that we didn't need, you know, during the construction of our first building. So the, the United Church of Canada is interesting because it takes the different groups of the churches and puts them in one. They call them the United Church because the church comes together. That's how it started. But this is so, so you took down the church. Correct. And I'll talk to you about on the next program about how long that took you and then how long it took to get up. And we've got several programs that we'll talk because the, the, the church that we're in today is absolutely gorgeous. And by the way, mortgage free. Mortgage free. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Praise God. Mortgage free. During the middle of the pandemic. Yes. Yes. You were burning the mortgage for crying out loud. I know. That was absolutely stunning. God. God's remarkable display. He's a great God. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's so. So on the next program, we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, Keep in mind, tell your friends and tell everybody that uh, Pastor John Williamson is going to be on because you're going you're gonna to want to see this. Uh, and, and it's just a great church. And it's how God is continuing to work in this time. So a lot of people are talking about churches dying, but this church is growing and it is exciting. So let's study on now as we go on with the program. Thank you for joining us and watching the prayer today. We're going to pray. Now, we pray every day at Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 Eastern Time. And that's on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery. We're live. So join us on those days and pray with us. Right now, we need to pray. And, and let's pray this way. Lord, I desire to follow what you have said. Help me to put your word first in my heart. This is what I pray 
today.